it, it was decent. Take your uh, Bibles, go to Genesis chapter 27. Hey, we're halfway through Genesis. We're almost to the rapture. We'll get there one of these days, I'm telling you. Genesis 27. I am uh, starting to read my Bible four times a year, and I'm practicing right now. Uh, so I'm like a week, a week and a half ahead of myself in everything I'm reading. And uh, so I'm, all i got to do is really easy, man. I just readjust uh, my Bible reading chart. I just go in and, and remove every other, every other week or every other day, and everything slides up, and then uh, the next one's there. So every three months, I'll get to read my Bible through. And uh, you could say, why would you do that? Well, uh, Dr. Roman always said in class, he goes, the older you get, you better write stuff down, and you better read as much as you can because your mind is going to start uh, shifting off. And mine is doing that at 25, 65 years old. Uh, I mean, I, I got so many things going on in my little head uh, that pretty soon, I mean, it just wears me out. And uh, uh, then people come and say, do this, do this. Well, uh, I'm starting to, this old age stuff is not for sissies. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, the older you get, the, the harder it is to, to just to keep up the same speed as you used to. So uh, it, to run with young people is impossible. I don't know how Doc ever did it, man. I mean, young people just ping all over the place, man. Uh, the little bitty ones, man, they're just running around all over the place. Uh, and Mom, Beth said this morning, she goes, I could never raise kids again. I'm like, praise God, hallelujah, man. I, that's, that's, that means no adoption, no nothing, man. I mean, it's, uh, you, if you've already been there, done that, got the T-shirt, we had five. And uh, it's, it's, it's an experience you need to go through. You've got to go through it. Uh, and once you get through it, what you do is you start realizing is that life is short, and really it doesn't matter... Uh, if, if you think you got to do something great, uh, I'm gonna, what I'm going to go through right now is you better wait on God. I'm telling you what, you better wait 100% on the Lord. Uh, everything he's ever told me from the time I got saved till right now, I can lay out exactly where he told me what to do. And he told me some things before I knew it was him telling me. After later on down the road, when I finally figured out who that was, I could look back and clearly see that was him. But it was overwhelming. It was overwhelming at all of those points that something, I needed to change something. You could see it. I could feel it. The doors opened up. It was right there in front of me. All I had to do was walk through that door. Uh, all the obstacles were removed. Everything was gone. I didn't have to make anything happen. I didn't have to do anything. It was just right there. It's been that way for 43 years. And he says he's not a God, God is not a respecter of persons. He doesn't do it any different than anybody else, for anybody else. The problem is, is most of us, we never learn to wait. Genesis, Genesis uh, 27. I'm in Deuteronomy, so that don't count. I'll get over to Genesis 27. 27, I like it. I like the story. I, all the, your Bible is full of stories. And if you eliminate the stories, you're eliminating your direction in life. Uh, God put these things here. If the God of this universe who spoke, I think he spoke the universe into being in seconds. Boom, poof, there it was. The universe is there. If he can speak that thing in, into place in moments, then this little book is, there's no possible way this book could contain all the words of God. It's impossible. There, you wouldn't have enough books. Even John says it over in 21, chapter 21, the last couple of verses. He said, the world itself could not contain the books that should be written if you just wrote about what Jesus did while he was here. We couldn't contain the books. And from the beginning of time to now, you couldn't contain the books. It just would, everything he did, every second of every moment that he did something is important. So what he did is he gives us a Bible here with 66 books in it. 
and all the chapters and pages and everything else, and I think it's in the, in the, in the King James 1611. I don't think you're going to find any other book on the face of this planet that'll even come close to this thing. This is the King of Kings, the King of Books right here. This is it. Now, I didn't have Bible education to show me that. I knew what God, that's another one of the things the Lord showed me. It took him four years to show me that, way before Bible college, way before I sit under a guy who taught that thing. I knew this thing was the Word of God in 1984, and I hadn't even been in a real church yet. I'm telling you, this book is it. And God is not going to deal with us. I mean, I'm preaching there. I'm not really teaching. I gotta, I'm trying to still learn. You know, at 65 years old, one of these days I'll learn to be, I'm so glad you guys are here today. The sun is shining and everything. We're going to have a church. We're going to have a church gathering this morning, and we're going to let people join the church. And if you want to join the church, I will. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how. I don't know how to bring it down. Once you get started with this thing, you know, it's like poof, it's out there. Uh, Genesis twenty-seven. If I don't get here, uh, and it came to pass. I said last time I did. Uh, already, we are went. We stopped at verse four, but it said it came to pass when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim. And I mentioned that that. Uh, this is the first time in your Bible where you're going to get blindness comes in, the dimming of the eyes. Uh, Isaac is the first one. Isaac goes through this thing, and he's going to, uh, and I'll just come up to stuff, he, he is going to anoint his son uh, Esau uh, to be, uh, get the blessing that he really should have probably given to uh, Jacob. But, but it, it's a lot of stuff going on there that you don't say. Uh, God talked to Rebekah. It doesn't say that Isaac was there when Rebekah got that, got that thing from the Lord. It says Rebecca went to the Lord, and we'll see that here in a few minutes. Uh, so Isaac, Isaac wasn't told that, but he wasn't told that he's going to get the firstborn, he's going to get the blessing there. The, he just said the younger, the older shall serve the younger. Uh, that's, that's just a political thing right there. That's, it doesn't say this, but in verse 5 it says, And Rebekah heard when Isaac spake to Esau his son, and Esau went to the field to hunt for venison. What did uh, Rebekah hear? And he says, verse 3, it says, Now, uh, uh, Isaac is telling Esau, now therefore take, I pray thee, thy weapons and thy quiver and thy bow and go out uh, to the field and take some venison for me. Clearly, right down to the T, what I want you to do. Uh, Isaac, Isaac is going to be, in a sense, a picture of the Lord right here, and he's going to clearly tell you with details exactly what to do. Believe me, if he wants you to do something, he's going to make a way for you to do it. He's not going to ask you to do something that you have to make the way. The way will be made, always is going to be made. And the problem with most of us is we won't do or we won't have the faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. You know what you need to work on more than anything else is your faith. Amen. Not on your ministries, not on your house, not on your kids, your wife, your faith. If you can get your faith where it needs to be, guess what? Everything else will fall into place. I like that story where the prophet came in and told the king, said, look, uh, look out the window. Yeah, take your arrows. Yeah, smite the ground. And the guy goes, well, let me, I don't have an arrow. I wish I had an arrow. He goes, and then he gets chewed out. You know what you should have done, man? If you was a man of faith, you'd have went. <laughs> That's what you should have done. I mean, when a prophet comes in there and tells you what to do, man, you know what you got right here? You got a word of prophecy. It's telling you what to do. And the thing is, there's relationship with Jesus Christ. Rebecca heard. What'd she hear? She heard her, her husband. Well, it's not gossip. I mean, she actually, but 
You know what, man? Oh, well, I better watch out, man. I'm going to get in trouble. It said, Rebekah heard when Isaac told, uh, spake to Esau, his son. And Esau went to the field. He obeyed his father to hunt for venison and to bring it. Now, if you go back to verse 34 in chapter 26, it says, And Esau was 40 years old when he took Judith, uh, the daughter of uh, Beri, the Hittite, and Bashamath, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite, which was a grief in mind unto Isaac and to Rebekah. Esau never did do what his dad thought he should do. Never. Uh, Esau always did exactly what he wanted to do. Uh, what's wrong with the world today is uh, people are out there still doing what they want to do. And God, God isn't that way. He never was that way. Lord Jesus Christ is not that way. Uh, he is definitely, definitely distinct in what he, he has a plan. It's his plan, by the way, not mine. Uh, the problem with every day, we got to have glory. I've got to have my stuff. But no, it has nothing to do with it. John the Baptist said, I must decrease and he must increase. Serving Jesus Christ means you're going to go down. Period. Bottom line, that's it. Paul was in a jail cell with, and Luke was his only friend there for a while. I'm going to mention some of that in the morning message about uh, being in a, a Philippian jail. He's down there at the bottom in a jail cell. That's where you end up at. And people say, well, I'm going to have a church of 9,000. If you had a church of 9,000 people, none of them would love God. You'd be, you'd be Joel Osteen. The more people you get together, I wouldn't want a church of five, six, seven, eight hundred people. I wouldn't want it. Because to keep five or six, eight hundred, uh, five or six, seven, eight hundred people on that book the way it should be, it ain't going to happen. Why? Because you're going to have to compromise through that. The bigger those churches get, that's why most of the big churches are all gone today. You can't keep, and if they are, the pastor is going to get up there and say absolutely nothing to help anybody out. He can't do it. Rebecca is sitting here says, Rebecca heard Isaac. Rebecca's faith is like nothing. She knows what God said. Now she's going to help God out. That's the worst thing you could ever do. You don't ever want to help. The Lord can figure the thing out, man. He already told her this back in Genesis uh, 25, uh, verse 22. And the children struggled within her. She had two twins in her. And, and, uh, and she said, if it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord. It never said Isaac was with her. I got a hand it to her. I mean, she went and asked the Lord because she's seen a problem here. She didn't know what it was. And the Lord said unto her, it doesn't say that Isaac was there to get this. Two nations are in thy womb, and two manners of people shall be separated from thy bowels. And the one people shall be stronger than the other, and the elder shall serve the younger. So whoever comes out second here is going to be the one in the end that's going to be in charge. Does God know what he's doing? Then why does he need our help to set the thing up? He doesn't. If he said somebody's going to be a David, my mom, when you're prime, I mean, come, here comes Samuel. He walks into Jesse's house. I like the book of Ruth. Ruth is cool as anything. I mean, when you start getting down through there, I mean, you see the bloodline of David and Jesus Christ and everything else down through there. You know, and, and if you don't think there's hope for you, you got a problem. <laughs> I mean, I like that bloodline, man. Rahab the harlot is in that bloodline. That is cool as anything. I mean, you, I got a Lord that is sweeter than he can be. He put Ruth in, the, in that, a Moabitess, put her in there. And then, then you come down, Bath, Bathsheba is in that bloodline. But anyways, David is sitting there, a little ruddy kid out there in the middle of a forest somewhere taking care of a few sheep. Samuel comes in, and, and Samuel is just like everybody else. He's, 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 he loves the Lord, and the Lord used him and talks to him. But Samuel walks into Jesse's house thinking he can pick out what God wants. Now, we're talking about Samuel here. Probably the greatest prophet that's in your Bible is Samuel. And, and he is going to walk in Jesse's house 
and he's going to pick out the, the next king that's going to take Saul's place. Wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. Who's, who's, who's putting the king there? God is. You would think Samuel go, okay, Lord, show me. He, so the guy comes through, and it's not he. He, he assumed the first one, the big one. That's him. Well, the last one you picked was big. That's true, but that's not what I'm picking today. And he goes through all of them, and he's like, you got to be joking. Samuel's kind of dumbfounded because it's like, wait a minute, it's not one of these. He said, do you have any other kids? He shouldn't have said, he should have said, where's the other one at? That's what he should have said. He didn't say that. He goes, do you have any more? Like, I'm not sure if you do. No, no, no. No, God said that one of these sons of Jesse's going to be the next king and go anoint his kid. Where's the other one at? You're missing one here. Or your couple or something. Something's missing. There's the difference between faith and, uh, of, that's the difference of belief and faith. Faith, you would already know that God's going to provide it, and you don't know how he's going to do it, but he's going to do it. Amen. Believe in something, just, yeah, well, I believe that God told me to come here, so I did it. You can believe on Jesus Christ, but to have faith in Jesus Christ is totally different. Amen. The devils believe. Right. I, I have faith in him. I know, I know he can do it. I've watched him for 43 years. He's still not done. He's still not done with me. He, he's still got something else to do or else I'd be in heaven. Rebecca here is trying to initiate what she thinks. You know what's wrong with Christianity today? Everybody out there is trying to initiate what they think God wants. If, if we all were on the same, we'd all be in a King James 1611. Number one, that's where the whole body of Christ would be, right there in that book. He said, well, you're an arrogant pig. No, I'm not, man. I just know what the word of God is. There was only one Samuel. You know why there's only one Samuel? Because Samuel knew what was going on. Eli didn't. There's all through your Bible, you see that stuff. You know what? You think Isaac would see it. Rebecca comes back. Says, Isaac, the Lord just told me that the younger is going to serve the elder. Well, Isaac's going to look at her like, oh, woman, oh, that woman, shut up, woman. I mean, I already know what the Old Testament guy's going to do, but he didn't listen because in this case right here, he told Esau to go out and I'm going to bless you. There's some serious issues with that. Uh, for us as Christians, there are serious issues that are, or that are getting ready to play out here that is a, a direct lesson for us if we'll listen. If we'll listen, if we'll listen. If we won't listen, then you're going to go right on and do the same thing that they did and, and the thing is going to turn out bad. Uh, it says, and the Lord said unto her, so two nations, they got the plan, verse 6. And Rebecca, Rebecca spake unto Jacob, her son, saying, behold, this is just a mom. Moms love their kids. I know they do. I've watched moms across the, the spectrum for the last, uh, any mom that took their time to have kids and to keep them and to start to raise them is going to love them. And most moms will have their favorites, which is really wrong. Uh, the hardest thing you'll ever do is not to show favoritism. It's hard to do that sometimes. Uh, but you got to not do that. Uh, I like watching the kids grow, and I got five of them. And if they do good, man, I praise them. If they do bad, I yell at them. Uh, and they're all out. I got one that's still in the house, and I'm yelling at her all the time, but she still stays there. She's a smart girl. Uh, if I was in her shoes, I'd do the same thing. If I could find some sucker that would pay my way and let me stay. And where she is? Esther in here? Nursery. I hope you hear this, Esther. If not, I'll make you listen to the tape. But, uh, but when you're sitting here going through the Word of God and start looking at it, you got to watch that thing because you'll want, to, you'll want to move God forward when God's not ready to go forward. David, David was out there and, and uh, Jesse goes, well, 
How, first of all, Samuel, how come you didn't know David was in existence if you're such a man of God? Because the, the half of, of Samuel that was the man half was showing through. And, and that, that blinded him to what God really had going on. What you need to learn real quick that your personal desire will blind you to what God wants you really to do. If you don't watch this thing out, I'm telling you, if you don't watch out, people say, well, Mike, you ought to do this. I ain't going to do nothing until the Lord tells me what to do. You know what the last thing he told me to do was put this church on the face of the planet. That was the last thing he told me to do. Well, he told me to do a bunch of other stuff too here. But as far as something moving beyond this, he never said anything about it. I'd be a missionary tomorrow. We got a missionary sitting back here right now. I'd be a missionary tomorrow if that's what he told me. But he hadn't told me that. If he told me that, I know he'd provide every single thing that I ever needed to become the missionary. I already know that. Because he's provided everything I needed up to this point. I've watched him do the craziest things. But when he told me, when he, I knew what he wanted me to do, there was a series of other things he put in my life to get me to, to move to another level because I'm not ready to do that yet. And then you're going to do this and 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 this. Now do that. And when by the time you get there, guess what? I had to do 14 years in the Navy to do this. I didn't do 14 years in the Navy just to be in the Navy. The Lord put me down that path so I could learn some things so that when I got to this place right here, and that wasn't the only thing he put in my path, so when I got here, I, there was a couple of things I knew. You know, there's still a lot of things I don't know. Rebecca is sitting here, and she says under her son, verse 6, saying, Behold, I heard thy father speak unto Esau thy brother, saying, Bring me venison, and she tells Jake, Jake exactly what to do. Bring me venison and make me savory meat that I may eat and bless thee before the Lord, before my death. Now, Jacob doesn't know, or Isaac doesn't know the day of his death. He's still going to live another 35, 40 years. Uh, now, therefore, my son, obey my voice. Now, this is Rebecca talking again. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice according to, all, to that which I command thee. Not what God said, what I said. Here's where the problem's going to come in, and it's going to mess Jacob up for 20 years. Now, Jacob is complicit in this thing, too, but this is going to mess him up for 20 years. It's going to cause him a lot of problems. Uh, go now to the flock and fetch me from thence two good kids of goats, and I will make them savory meat for thy father, such as he loveth. And thou shalt bring it to thy father that he uh, may eat and, and that he may bless thee before his death. Rebecca is teaching her son something here that should never be taught by the parents to their kids. And that's how to deceive someone. That is total deception. She's lying to her husband. The helpmeet. The woman that thou gavest me. That's what uh, uh, old, uh, Adam said back there. But it was the other way. Eve ate the fruit and then Adam, Adam, Lord says, Adam. He goes, the woman thou gavest me and gave it to me and I did eat. Yeah. And, and then he goes, he goes to Eve and Eve says, the serpent beguiled me. But, but hey, it starts somewhere. Rebecca teaches Jacob how to deceive. She is acting by sight and what she heard, not by faith. Brother, you know the danger with this book is now, you know, I, I, I'm telling you, I believe the King James Bible is the word of God. I think an ESV, RSV, NIV. Uh, I don't care, New Jerusalem Bible, New King, King, New King James, New Schofield Reference Bible is garbage. Uh, that's what I think. Why? Because they changed the words of God. I was sitting in a jail one day, and I was, I was talking to two prisoners, and both of them had King James text. Both of them had a King James Bible. One had a New Schofield Reference Bible. The other one had a, a regular King James Bible. And they started asking me about the difference in words. I said, 
There can't be no difference in words. I know, now, if you had a Cambridge and an Oxford, I got it. They're fat, bat, all this stuff. Like that. Those are easy answered words. I'm like, but you both got an Oxford text. There's, there can't be a change of words. It's an Oxford King James text. The guy goes, no, man. One word in there was awesome, and the other word was, uh, what was that other word? Awesome, and the other word was something fear, not, not fearful, but it was something along that line. I'm like, well, no, no, it can't be. It can't be. And I looked at the Bibles, and I flipped the front covers open, and they both said King James, 1611, authorized version. One said New Schofield. The other one, I think it was Old Schofield, whatever. And I flipped it back, and the New Schofield actually changed the word in a King James text. That's a publisher that changed the word in a King James, in the text, not in a note to the text, in the text. You know what you got to do? You got to sick. I got a, I got a church Bible right here. I like church Bible because it's printed by a church. I don't want to trust a, and it's an old Schofield reference Bible. It's printed by a church up in, in Lansing, Michigan. Uh, I use it. I've got Cambridges at the house. I got old Schofield reference Bibles. I got uh, study Bibles by other men, but I use a Bible that's printed number one by the church. If I can't trust the church, and I know the church that printed those Bibles, I can trust them. Uh, the text is correct. The text is exactly what it's supposed to be. I can't make that choice. How in the world could you possibly make the choice on which Bible to use? How could you do that? You can't. You got to wait on the Lord to show you. It took him four years to show me. You could probably learn it in five minutes, but I'm a brick from Kentucky, so it took him a while. But when he got done showing me, you couldn't pull that thing out of my hand if you wanted to. And I don't care how much education you got. Education without salvation is damnation, and education with salvation could mess a lot of people up. I've seen a lot of people go, and let it, they let it go right to their head. There's basic things. There's basic things in life. One of them is that book. And it's what God says, and it's not what I think. It's what God says. Rebecca here is doing what she thinks. And she's going to mess a young man up, which is her son. She's going to mess him up. This is what the book says. I don't care what anybody else says. This is what it says. you got to stand firm on that stuff. Uh, Rebecca, is, she's acting by sight and hearing and not by faith. And what she was told in Genesis 23, 25, 23, which is two nations are going to be if God said, now, here's the next thing. If God said this was going to happen, it is going to happen. Amen. And it may not happen in your time frame. It may not happen in my time frame. But it's going to happen. It may not happen for another thousand years. It's going to happen. And when he told Saul, Samuel, go and anoint the son of Jesse to be the next king, then the son of Jesse is going to be the next king. But I don't see your son here. Oh, there, it's, there's seven of them here. The, do you have any more? No. Wait a minute. Where's your other son? God done said the son, and, and he's done told me these seven aren't it. So you have to have another one. Because he told me, come here and anoint him. Where's he at? And when David came in and he anointed him, David did not become king for quite a while. As a matter of fact, he ends up in the, with the Philistines, serving the Philistines, running from Saul because Saul's trying to kill him. Well, that's what, well, I thought he had the anointing of God on him. Sure he did. You know what David had to learn? He had to learn that, hey, you don't mess number one with God's man, which was Saul. And God will take Saul out. I don't need your help, David. You know what David had? He had a couple guys who always wanted to help him out. Praise God for guys who want to help you out. Amen. 
I, t- I told this uh, Wednesday night, the lights up here, I think I got them fixed. And the uh, reason is, is somebody tried to help us out. They got the big ladder out. They did everything they were supposed to do. Uh, they went and got light bulbs and replaced the bad light bulbs. The problem is, is they put different light bulbs in than the light bulbs that were up there. And those three light bulbs right there were different than all the rest of the light bulbs. As a matter of fact, the other five were mis- mis- mismatched too. And it was causing, because they're all LEDs and they all have electronic circuits in them, and the circuits were fighting with each other to come on and off and whenever, and that's why those three blinked. And I'm sitting there going, well, check that out, man. I didn't know that until I walked away and shut the lights off, and when I dimmed them all the way down, I mean, as a technician, you, you probably don't care, but you see, those are all the way dimmed down. That's what they've always done since I've been here. When we put them in, that's what they've done. When I did this, they did not do that. Those three did, the other five didn't. And I'm sitting there going, whoa, how come those three, the three that's blinking, and then all of a sudden I get new energy and I start trying to figure the thing out and I go out back here and get my ladder and put all new light bulbs in and they're all the same and the little switch over here and all the little light bulbs are happy and the, the green grass grows all around, all around, all around. You know what that was? Is somebody trying to help us. And they meant good. And it was good what they did. Now, everybody's saying, I ain't going to ever help him again. <laughs> but the problem is, is you did not pay attention, or I did not pay attention. And here you go. As a matter of fact, let's just say, I'll say this. It could have been me. I have no idea. What I do know, it was Mike. Mike! Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, Lord, forgive him. Forgive him. He knows not what he did. <laughs> you know, the typical incandescent light bulb wouldn't have mattered. Because it's just a filament, and the filament comes on and off, and that's it. But when you go into LED, it's a totally different character. It has a little electronic circuit, and it takes the AC in, converts it to DC, and drives an LED. Every circuit is going to be different. So if you put different circuits in and you come up, there's called harmonics that come off. I know y'all don't care about this, uh, but it's harmonics comes off of this stuff, but it's things you don't know. And you won't know it until it, it starts flickering and you got some preacher up here going, what is all the strobe lights for, man? I want to do this and this and this. And uh, you say, what is it? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I don't know, man. I don't know why it's strobing. I'm a technician. I go component level. I, I have no idea why it's doing it. And I'm sitting there looking. I said, well, here's these three are doing it, but that one's not. How could that not do that? It, it's to me, in my mind, I just couldn't grasp it until I flipped that switch down. And when I dropped it down, all of a sudden, I realized that these three dimmed all the way out. The rest of them didn't. I said, there's something different about those bulbs, and I solved the problem. Same thing here. Sometimes you can't solve the problem until you know what the problem is. And sometimes you got to wait for the Lord to show you the problem. And then he's got to show you the solution. And then he wants you to do the solution. She is getting ready to, to mess her son up. Verse 11 says, and Jacob said unto Rebekah, his mother. Now watch this. The son, Jacob, is going to get it. He's got it. Behold, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I'm a smooth man. My father, preventer, will fill me, and I shall, because he's blind, and I shall seem to him as a deceiver, and he shall bring a curse upon me and not a blessing. Jacob reveals the problem. He's not stupid. If you get to this place, what you're doing is wrong. You need to understand that it's wrong. You back up and say, I'm done with this. I'm going to cast it off the side. It's wrong. Well, Mom, Esau's a hairy guy. He's got, like, hair on his head, and I'm bald. And, and 
and Daddy will, he will get mad at me. So I already know what's going to happen here. And I'm going to be in there by myself, and you're not going to be there, but I'm going to get chewed out. And if he curses me, boy, it's going to be a curse that goes on forever and ever and ever and ever. Verse 13, and his mother said unto him, upon me be thy curse. It wouldn't be upon her. It would be upon him. If, Esau, if, if Isaac curses Jacob and knows it's Jacob and calls out his name, Jacob, and curses him, that kid's going to be cursed. But the Lord already knows it out. And you know what's a blessing about this whole scenario here is, is our, God already knows exactly what's going to happen. And if we would have waited, if they would have waited, God would have worked the thing out the right way. The problem is, is they didn't wait. So now you're forcing God, which I believe before the foundation of the world, God already knew. I'm not a Calvinist by any shape, form, or fashion. I've heard a lot of preachers say, oh, you know, we're about this far from being Calvinistic. Uh, I'm not Calvin. Calvin was wrong. He was dead wrong. Uh, but, but in his day, in Cal John Calvin's day, he was a brilliant man. Anybody that's Calvinistic today is out of their mind because they're not doing what this book says at all. The light that John Calvin had, you got to give the guy credit, man. I mean, he sits there and gets up in the morning, gets a candle, takes his little candle and gets out all the books and the manuscripts that he could possibly get and starts perusing through all the information that he could possibly get his fingers on because he didn't have the internet. He didn't have Roadrunner. He didn't have AT&T. He didn't have 14.4 or, or 3.4 K whatever modems. I was there when all that stuff happened. He didn't have two cups and a, a string. He didn't have none of that stuff. He got up in the morning. He got his little candle. He set it down and he started studying all day long. And he studied and studied and studied. So he came up with what he came up with. It's just, it, it would be just like Wycliffe in the 12th century uh, translating the Roman, or the Roman Catholic Latin Vulgate into the English language. That's the start of your King James Bible. Now, it's corrupt. I know it's corrupt. For somebody to believe that Wycliffe's Bible today is the Word of God, they're out of their mind. However common, if you take Wycliffe's Bible and go from that to the Greek, to the, uh, to the English, to the uh, Geneva Bible, Great Bible, Bishop's Bible, all the way down through Tyndale's Bible, all the way to the King James, you can see the movement of God all the way through there until he got a perfect word. You can see the thing. But you don't negate that back there, but, but you have to change down here somewhere. What most people do is they don't believe it. I believe that before the foundation of the world, the Lord knows exactly the day you're going to get saved. He did not make you get saved. He put the stuff in front of you and allowed the stuff to be in front of you that you could see it and reason with the, the mush he puts between your ears and say, that's right, that's right, that's right. And then you come to the place of salvation and you trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He knows that day. If that's the case, then he knows this. He knew that Rebecca was going to do exactly what she did. He knew Eve was going to do what she did. As a matter of fact, he knew Lucifer was going to do what he did. And he knows what you're going to do. But he still gives you a free will to do it. And he doesn't stop you. He doesn't hinder you. He doesn't do anything. When you mess up, it's all on you, on me. I did it. I did it. Who, who in the world could you actually blame? When I mess up, you can't, well, the devil made me do it. No, he didn't. You did it. You still didn't have to do it. Sin is still sin no matter how you look at it. Rebecca's teaching Jacob how to sin. Jacob's admitting that there's a problem here. And his mother said to him, upon me be thy curse, my son, only obey my voice. Rebecca should have been submitting rather than snooping. I had to put a couple of S's in here and a couple of other ones to match them. 
She, had to, she should have been submitting to Isaac, not snooping on Isaac. That means that it just so happens that this is the only time that Rebecca's at the door. And Esau walks in to talk to his daddy, and he shuts the tent door. And it just so happens, out of just a fluke, a coincidence, strange coincidence, Every time Esau went in there, she was there. Every time she had her eyeball, and probably from the day that the Lord made that prophecy about the two sons, Esau is 40 years old right there. Rebecca's probably been doing that for 40 years. Not just today. She didn't have, she's been doing that her whole time. You say, oh, you're making that up. I'm just telling you what human nature is. She was told something, and she got tired of waiting. And she's going to make it happen. Because all of a sudden now she sees, you know, the Lord does some weird stuff sometimes. He does things just in a nick of time when you don't realize it's going to happen. He does it. I think, this is crazy, this is a micism here. I think Bathsheba was supposed to be David's wife. I think David jumped the gun. I think he did. I think if, if David would have waited, that Uriah the Hittite would have still went out into a battle somewhere and Uriah would have died. And if, if he would have waited, then he could have taken Bathsheba as his wife and been perfectly fine. But David didn't wait. David got in trouble. He got up above where he should have been and he got in trouble and he let his flesh start making some decisions. And the next thing you know, boom, boom, boom. And David had to initiate Uriah's death. You say, why do you believe that? Because you go to Matthew, and Bathsheba has two sons, and one of them is Solomon, and one of them is Nathan, and both of those boys, one of them is Joseph's bloodline, and the other is Mary's bloodline. You can't get any better than that. Why would God do that? Because he already has a plan, and he knows what he's going to do, and he knows who he's going to use to do the plan. And so many times, we want to jump into this thing and make this thing work, and we mess it up every time. God knows exactly what he's doing. All you got to do is be there when he gets there, man, and do what you're supposed to do so that when he's ready to tell you what to do, you're in a place to do it. If you listen to him everywhere down the road that you're supposed to go, then you're going to be right where you need to be so when he opens that door wide open, you're going to go through it. Every great missionary, every great evangelist, every great preacher, every great songwriter, everybody that's ever done anything from the smallest to the greatest. How about this one? The lady who threw two mites in. I like that story, man. That's one of my favorite ones. She comes down through there, man. She's like this. And there's a whole line of people, man. Ever been at a good funeral? I mean, the line goes like forever and a day. That's, that's good going to a lot of churches like that uh, on Sunday morning service. She's walking and walking and walking. Here's all these people, man. They're dragging her bag. And they come up and they throw it in. And she comes up and got her head down. She takes those two mites out. She throws it in your ears, chink, chink. See, what she didn't realize, Lord Jesus Christ is right here watching. She had no idea. He's just sitting there watching. As a matter of fact, he was cruising down through there with his, his 12 buddies, his little disciples, and he goes, Err! He goes, stay here for a second. I want to show you something. And they're all watching all these bad guys throw these big bucks in there. And he goes, what? Oh, watch. 
And he sees a little lady over there, and she gets a little closer and a little closer and a little closer. And I'll bet you the whole play is quieted down where you can hear this chink, chink. He goes, did you just hear that? He goes, that is cool, man. That lady got four verses of the Bible, by the way. I said, I didn't get four verses. I mean, that girl's got four verses in two different places. She got four verses talking about the thing. And I'm sitting there going, Lord, I said, the littlest, you know what? She was at the right place at the right time when Jesus Christ was standing in the right place to watch her do what she was doing. Do you not think he knows exactly what he wants you to do? He knew what that lady was going to do before the foundation of the world. He made it sure that he was standing at the place he needed to be standing to watch her do it. You don't think the lady who had the issue of blood for 12 years, that the Lord didn't know where she was going to be? He got right there. She was way over here. And the Lord's like way over here. He's in Texas. She's in, in Colorado. And he goes, Touch me, man. And the girl does it. And she gets healed. You don't think he, she knew? That girl, you know what? She needed a miracle done in her life, and she's at the right place at the right time to get the miracle in her life. Amen. The right place at the right time. The Lord knew exactly where she needed to be so he could be right where he was supposed to be so she could get what she needed from him. Why do we try to do that? Why do we try to make the thing happen? You know what you do? You just get in the book and you say, you say, Mike, all you say is read the book. Yeah, that's what you ought to do. When you ain't got nothing else to do, you ought to read your Bible. And the day comes when the Lord wants you to do it. He'll show you exactly what to do. Lots of different ways. I'm telling you, brother, every time, when people tell me, oh, the Old Testament, man, that's for the, you're missing out. If you, that's 39 books in your Old Testament. If you, if you miss out on, I like Ezekiel. I've seen people come up to the, oh, Ezekiel's the greatest book in the world. They're idiots. Oh, and it's all oh, this stuff. I'm like, you don't have a clue what you're even talking about. I said, most people have no idea what Ezekiel's talking about. I don't even know if I know what Ezekiel's talking about half the time. But it's, it's cool when he says some of the stuff he says. But when people do it, they pick the hardest book in the Bible. Their lives don't even reflect God at all. They pick the hardest book in the Bible so that they can show everybody that I chose the hardest book in the Bible to say I love. I'm like, you're an idiot. But I do it graciously. No, you, you start with... I remember when I first got saved. Before I got saved, I was reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I was a good Catholic, man. I was raised Roman Catholic. I'd read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And that was enough. I'd get into Acts, and I'm like, what, what is that? I'm like, what is Acts, man? I mean, Acts. Acts, is that like a chopping wood or something? What is Acts? So I go back and read Genesis. And I get Genesis through there, and that's pretty much all the stories in Charleston Hesson. I said this before, holding up the stick and splitting the Red Sea over in Exodus. Right about there, it ended. I'm like, I, I have no idea what the rest of this stuff is. So I go back to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's, that's foundational stuff. The Lord has to get that stuff in your life where it's about him. you got to believe me. Then I come to find out that Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, number is about him too. And then I found out, guess what, that Psalms and Proverbs is about him too. And I found out that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is about him, but so is Acts and Romans. And so is First and Second Corinthians, and so is all the rest of them down through there. And the book of Revelation, guess what? It's all about him. It's not about me. It never was. It's about him. The whole thing is about him. You know what he wants you to do is learn to be a servant. And do what I tell you to do when you're supposed to do it. You say, well, what's if you don't tell me? Then don't jump the gun, man. Believe me, if he's a God of the universe and he's speaking into being in about two nanoseconds, he's going to be able to get your attention so you'll know what to do. 
I got out of the Navy one time. Y'all didn't know I was in the Navy, but I did. And it took me three months to figure that thing out. I was miserable. I can't even tell you how miserable I was. He didn't speak to me for three months. He may have spoke to me a little bit here and there, but nothing, nothing you know, earth-shattering. And I'm sitting down there praying one day. And he said, Mike, you told Doug Waymire you was going to pay him for that catamaran and that dune buggy. $300. What's $300? I said, no, Doug said I could keep it. And the whole long story short, I eventually paid Doug. And I sent him a gospel track. That's a wrong reason to send somebody a gospel track, man. I have to send him 300 bucks. I'm like, well, if I have to send him 300 bucks, Lord, I'm going to send him a gospel track too. I'll show him. No, man, I mean, it's, that's wrong. But uh, hopefully Doug got saved. Then, uh, <laughs> or at least he got mad at me or something. But uh, something happened with that track. But anyways, uh, I get back down on my knees. And I'm like, okay, Lord, now what? And he goes, did I tell you to get out of the Navy? And I'm telling you, it started welling up inside. I could feel it. And I mean, the joy started coming back. It just started coming back, man. It's right there. You say, oh, going to the military is wicked as hell. Yeah, it probably is. Well, but you know, walking on the face of this planet is pretty wicked too. Uh, going, going to Kroger's is pretty bad. Uh, I don't care where you go. Go to, go to Speedway. That's pretty bad too. Anywhere you go is pretty bad. So, but if you got the Lord with you, you can get through it. So I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, the joy starts coming back. And, and I said, no, sir, I did that. He goes, did I tell you to go in? I said, yeah. I said, I didn't know that was you to tell me to go in, but you did tell me to go in. I, I'm, there's no doubt in my mind, man. I, I, I see the fingerprints of you all over that. He goes, did I tell you to get out? I said, but Lord, it's the Navy. I said, he said, did I tell you to get out? No. Did you ask? No. Did you just do it? Yes. Why? Because you're mad. And that's where you made your mistake. And I go, you're going to make me go back in, aren't you? I'm telling you, you're talking about cloud nine. I'm on cloud nine. And I don't care about no stinking bill. I'm on cloud nine. Because I knew that if I was going to stay in Norfolk, Virginia, I was going to have to be in the Navy. You know what's terrible? I was overhauling aircraft carriers. You think, oh, that's cool, man. I, I, they gave me a ship and all the crew that I was working with pointing the flat end, the Iwo Jima, overhaul this carrier. I did it. I had everything going for me. I could do it. And I'm, I was miserable. You, that right there, people give the right arm for that job. I didn't even have to interview for that thing. I just walked in and he yelled at me because I wasn't down there working on it. There wasn't an interview. I got, oh, I'm telling you, man, I'm sitting there and the Lord protected me all the way through that thing. And when I got to the place to go back in, you know how miserable it is to know that you're supposed to be somewhere and you're touching it, but you can't get back to it? Because you're stupid and you did something wrong and you didn't even know you did it wrong. And the Lord says, yes. The next morning I call the recruiter and I get back in the Navy so quick it makes your head spin. You know what I realized is going back in, everything was in place for me to go back in. To the exact T that when I walked back in those doors, I walked in just like I walked out. I didn't lose one ounce of time. I didn't lose one dime of money. I didn't lose one stripe. I didn't lose nothing. As soon as I got back in, I was ready to take the chief's exam. You say, what is that? That's God. You know what it was? Is Mike got in trouble doing something he shouldn't have done, and I didn't listen to God, and I got mad on a good reason. Well, at least I thought it was good. I preached to everybody on that ship for three years, and nobody got saved. I was blaming God. You know what the problem was? It wasn't God. It was me. And as soon as I realized what that was, you know what he did? He taught me something. 
He said, Mike, you got to learn. That was a, a step in my growth as I went down through there. You know what Ray, Rebecca's doing here? And I'll stop here because he doesn't ring the bell on me. Rebecca is doing it her way. And I'm going to tell you how much the Lord loves us. He's going to let you do it your way. And if you will listen, he will correct you and get you back on track. If you will listen. If you will not listen, he will let you go. I like it. Oh, come follow me. Oh, but let me go first and bury my father. He's dead. Let the dead bury the dead. See you later. Bye. Off he goes. You say, well, that's hardcore and cruel. No, it's not hardcore. That's God. He, the Lord Jesus Christ, can bring him back to life if he wants to. And he probably did. Somewhere down the road somewhere. That right there, if you're not going to follow me, if anything hinders you on this planet to follow Jesus Christ, then you've got a problem. You need to let that thing go. Or at least put it in the right place in your life. Father, thank you for your blessings this morning. Lord, thank you for the stories. Lord, they just go on and on and on and on and on. Uh, I've heard of preachers staying in one area for, forever, Lord. Uh, preaching out of a, a book of Romans or a chapter, a couple chapters here, and their, their whole career, their whole life. And Lord, the, the book is just, it's, it's unfathomable. You, there's just no possible way. There's so much stuff on each page. And Lord, if we would just hinder and heed to the little things we read as we go through the book, we don't have to know it all, Lord. All we have to do is know some of the things and get those things the way you want them, Lord. You, you give us room to sh uh, get some other things. Lord, help us to learn faith, true faith, and just trusting you. Uh, trusting Jesus every day, Lord. Help us just to get that. And we'll praise you, Nani, in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen.